a well-timed Montero mash. Uh, is it is it time for me to go, Ben? It's time. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller in Long Beach, California, and I'm here with Ben Lindbergh in New York, New York. Ben, how are you? Great. So that's my intro. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Uh, So you brought a topic. I didn't really bring a topic, but I brought something to talk about. So what are are we going to talk about? Uh, I thought we could talk about who has lost the Montero-Pineda trade less. Great, good one. Uh, and I'm just going to talk about refunding tickets yeah. and the, the stuff about that. Okay. So you go first. Okay. Uh, and all right. And we we talked a couple days ago about how we don't like to talk about things that we write about. And as I was preparing to talk about this, it occurred to me that it would be fun to write about. So I might write about it. Uh, that is a warning to the internet. But um, Jesus Montero was sent down to AAA. So I thought this would be a good time to look back at the trade uh, from last January and sort of assess how it has gone so far, uh, because it has not gone well really for anyone involved in the trade. I don't think there is one member of this four-player trade that uh, that is in as, as good a position as they were then. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that seems absolutely right. Um, so it's fun. I was looking back at, at all the things that were written about it at the time. And, uh, I mean, we spent so much time analyzing it and talking about who won. And really, uh, no one has, has won to this point. One. Remember how we all, yeah, remember how we all thought Jose Campos was going to yes, be the big wild card? Right. Well, maybe he still will be. Who I knows? mean, he still might be. Um, yeah, he might be. He's the closest thing <laughs> to somebody in as good a position yeah. as they were before and he pitched 24 innings last year right. <laughs> so, so so yeah so Montero so if you go by if you go by warp uh the Mariners so far have lost and and by lost I I'm talking about the results we are we're not retroactively saying uh that that one team was stupid to make the trade or both teams were stupid to make the trade or, or anything like that it oh well, what did you think of the trade at the time my my general feeling was that uh the Mariners were probably more likely to get more value out of it just because I kind of preferred the the position player to the pitcher. But I felt like both teams got something that they needed and would probably be good for them. And so it was, uh, I, I understood from both perspectives. Yeah. I, at the time thought that, um, both teams, uh, well, it, both team, the players that both teams got, um, were so good that in any other trade I would have declared each one a winner. Like Michael Pineda was just about my favorite young pitcher mm-hmm. at the time, and Jesus Montero was just about my favorite young hitter at the time. Um, and I really liked Campos. I had just written the the Mariners um, chapter in the annual, for instance, and so uh, you know I was fairly familiar with their system at the time. And, and Campos just completely stood out to me as like this uh, humongous sleeper candidate. Um, so that might have swayed it swayed it a little to the Yankees but I think that I was a, a pro Mariners guy because um you know Montero he he was just he was such a sure thing there was just no doubt Montero was going to hit mm-hmm. uh and you know there's always doubt about whether Pineda would hold it together and you know there were there were some warning signs I I, I would say about his his season but all the all the concerns then were like does he have a, a good 
Breaking pitches. Yeah, you have a third really, pitch, and will yeah, a fly ball pitcher really survive in Yankee Stadium? And now it's like, will yeah. he throw a pitch? Ever throw <laughs> ever. again, yeah. Um, yeah can, could we possibly convert him to a second baseman? <laughs> right. Uh, so, so yeah, just, just to recap, I guess Montero, since the trade has, has not hit as expected, has, has caught, I guess, about as poorly as expected. Uh, and he is now in AAA after a pretty terrible start to this season. Uh, Hector Nuesi, who, I guess the story on him was that he was kind of a back of the rotation guy who was already at his ceiling pretty much. He was he was major league ready. He was ready to step into the back of a rotation and, and be back of the rotation E already. Um, and they tried that last year and he was pretty terrible. Uh, didn't really finish hitters at all. Had, had just was completely unable to put them away. Gave up a ton of fly balls as a guy who was supposed to get grounders, gave up a ton of home runs at Safeco, uh, and was, yeah, just generally pretty awful. And then started the season in the minors. Uh, he is now back in the majors as a reliever and has looked a little better, but not uh, not great. Just, I don't know, kind of looks like a, a generic middle reliever now, I guess, if that. Um, and on the other side of the trade, of course, uh, Pineda got hurt pretty much immediately, um, had the, the serious shoulder surgery. His his status right now is uh, he pitched five innings yesterday at, at the Yankees minor league complex, uh, supposedly was was around 93 miles per hour, uh, and will begin a rehab assignment after another throwing session. And then Campos missed most of last season with some sort of elbow injury. It's kind of confusing to read about he says it was a fracture and some people say it was a bone bruise but whatever it was it was some sort of serious elbow injury he is now back and pitching in the sally league uh he has a 3.94 era in 30 innings or so with about a strikeout printing um wait what what caused it was campo's injury caused by throwing or by like hitting it on something uh i think it was a throwing thing but i don't know i don't remember i'll have to look um but he uh has apparently not his his stuff has not looked so good we we ranked him jason parks ranked him as the yankees eighth best prospect coming into the season uh but since then i guess we had a, a minor league update about a month ago where zach mortimer said that his stuff hasn't bounced back all the way um and there was something, I guess, around the same time Keith Law scouted him and said that he showed reduced stuff and an arm action that seems destined for further injuries or a role in the bullpen. Uh, Yeesh. Yeah, he said this was far from an ideal look, but what I saw didn't give me a ton of hope. Um, so he's coming back from injury, and, and maybe it's too soon to, to say those things about him, but he's not looking so great either. So uh, I guess... My my questions are who whose stock has fallen farthest since the trade was made, um, and if this trade were were proposed again, or or if, if the teams if one team proposed to to reverse the trade, uh, who would say no at this point? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I this is a very difficult question. It is. Ben. Um, so, I mean, okay, so a fundamental thing has changed about Montero, which is that 
the, the, the letter next to his name has changed. He's not going to be a catcher. That was always right. To be fair, that was seen as as perhaps unlikely. But you know, the Mariners didn't necessarily think it was unlikely. They you know they gave him a shot at it, um, and clearly had some vision that it might work out. And that's going to be it. I mean, he'll, he'll probably never catch another game, right? Uh, In the majors. Yeah, I guess probably not. So uh, you know, knowing nothing else, you know that that something fundamental about him has has changed. And so that might be enough. On the other hand, if you if you ignore this year, which isn't totally fair or smart because he was terrible this year, but if you ignore this year, um, you know he's he's not exciting. But um, but like Safeco last year played so extreme, and we can debate whether that was a, a statistical glitch or whether in fact Safeco really did play extreme against hitters, um, but. You know, his numbers look horrible on the surface. They look somewhat less worse when they're controlled uh, for the park. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his he was 22. In his first two years, he had, um, you know, an, an OPS plus of 160 in limited time his first year, and then an OPS plus of 95 in his first full season. And Billy Butler, so that was 21-22, Billy Butler had a... a 108 OPS plus in limited time in his first season at 21, and a 93 OPS plus in his second first full second total overall season at 22. So, um, you know, that's 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 exactly one uh, comp mm-hmm. that that doesn't tell you anything. Uh, but you know, coming into this year, you wouldn't have said that he was hopeless. No. And, you know, this year it's 110 plate appearances. It, it could have just been a slow start. It could have just been bad timing for him. So uh, I guess if I had to, well, geez, I don't know, Ben. And then Pineda and Campos, all the things you've yes. said. Uh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I don't. It makes me not want to write anything about any trade in the future. So whose stock has dropped and who would say no? Yeah. I, I mean, the thing with Montero was. Everyone always acknowledged that it was probably unlikely that he would stick at catcher for very long. But the, yeah, I mean the Yankees. Yeah, clearly the Yankees didn't intend him there. So his his moving off position now doesn't change the map at all from their perspective. Right, because everyone always used to say that it was the Yankees either being delusional or uh, or just trying to inflate his value by pretending that they saw him as a catcher. But then evidently the Mariners had the same delusion or. Or wanted to convince themselves that he could be a catcher. It gave him a, a pretty good shot at yeah. it. Um, I bet there's at least one other team that would do it right now. Yeah, uh, but so anyway, I mean, that was always the the concern with him. But it was always sort of acknowledged that it wouldn't be that big a deal if he had to move. That he had such a a great bat that he could be an all star type with. I mean, at first base or at DH. I don't know how many people are confident in that anymore. Um, but I, I agree that it is too early to to give up on that kind of potential. Yeah, I would if I hadn't lived through Brandon Wood, I would say Montero would still because I, I would I, it takes me a long time before I lose faith in the bat. I mean, I would still probably sign Andy LaRoche if I were a team right now because I'm you know I, I I'm delusional about him. Uh, never bought it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't have it. Of course, I would have bought Andy Marte. Uh, 
but yeah, I would have, uh, you know. So in in that sense, probably I, I would I would bet that Montero is more likely to hit than that Pineda is likely to throw uh-huh. a thousand innings um, in the next five uh-huh. years. Okay, so then uh, it's also a, a one year of is it uh, is there a service time issue or did uh, didn't Pineda? Yeah, Pineda started the season in two thousand twelve. Uh, 2011 with the Mariners, so I think there's also a year of service time to consider. Mm-hmm. But uh, so then, yeah, I, I would go. I would go with the guy who sucks over the guy who's broken. And even if Pineda is throwing 93, which is encouraging and um, good for him, mm-hmm. and I, I'm more likely to to choose him today than I was two weeks ago, yeah. uh, I would still go with with the healthy bat over the unhealthy arm. Mm-hmm. You just would never go with an unhealthy arm, right? I mean, what? Who's the last guy who was uh, injured, injured, injured all the time? Who bounced back? Who came back and 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 held up? Uh, I, yeah. I, I I feel like we you mentioned this or something at some point, but yeah, I was talking about Markham. Yeah, you were talking about Markham exactly. The the all these guys who we think are these great buy low candidates because they might give you 170 great innings before they break down they never do they never give you the 170 and they always break down mm-hmm. not that Pineda has as he long a track record, record of injuries sure. as Markham but he had a very very serious injury so uh okay so so Pineda's stock has probably fallen farthest I guess um just because of how high it was to begin with and all the uncertainty and and so if and if it were if someone proposed that both teams could reverse it you think the Mariners would say no do you think the Yankees well hang on wait I think the Mariners would say no right I think isn't that what you were implying no oh I think the I think the Yankees would say no the Yankees would say no if you mean if, if they could have Montero back they would say no I think the I think that right now the Yankees would rather have their original. Oh, are we talking about who would turn, who would who would, who would yes, unreverse? Right. Yeah, I I think the Mariners are least likely to reverse. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Right, I guess there's not a lot of incentive to reverse because both sides are so bad. Um, but yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> you've just summed up what you started with. And it could completely, like, you could imagine that completely flipping just over the next few months. If, you, if say, Pineda comes back and looks like 2011 oh, yeah. Pineda for a few months and Campos stays healthy and maybe his stuff picks up a little bit and uh, Noesi just sort of stays Noesi and Montero doesn't, doesn't hit his way back to the majors, then by the end sure. of the season, it could be completely different. Oh well, two by two. If if Pineda makes two good starts in the majors, uh-huh. it will be completely different. But if Pineda has arm soreness and has to be shut down for two weeks in you know because he's he's sore after throwing, then it would be a landslide the other way. I mean, if Pineda has one more injury mm-hmm. before he shows us something good, then we'll be completely done with him, right? Yeah. I mean, he'll he'll essentially be he'll carry injury prone with him for the rest of his mm-hmm. life. If he has one more setback, basically. All right. Well, <laughs> it's a fun trade to look back at. It's fun to look back at trades that worked for both teams, and I guess it's kind of fun to look back at, at trades that really spectacularly have failed so far for both teams. 
Yeah, it's sort of depressing. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll monitor the situation. Uh, so. meanwhile, 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 Nate McClough is like 17th in my ranked 17th in my fantasy <laughs> league. So, yeah, should have traded for Nate McLeod. Mm-hmm. If only they had, they could they should have done a three team trade. Uh, they both get Nate McLeod for half the week <laughs> and, and give up their worthless, awesome prospects. Mm-hmm. And it's like these guys didn't learn anything from Moneyball. <laughs> All right, so uh, now I'm going to do a quick rundown of, uh, of what we learned about refunding tickets if your team loses. As if anybody doesn't remember this, uh, an emailer named Mark suggested that uh, if your team loses, you should get your money back and all tickets should cost twice as much so that teams can afford this, of course. But uh, there should be essentially a consolation. If, uh, you shouldn't leave the ballpark happy and that, um, that clubs could... Uh, could go a long way to making everybody happy all the time by by setting up the system. So we talked about what wouldn't work about it, and uh, we got lots of emails. And also I did some research into the history of guaranteed win promotions. Mm-hmm. And so I'll start with that. First off, um, the, currently, right now, in, in case you're in Minnesota, this might be actually relevant news to you, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the basketball team, I believe? Yes, I believe so. Uh, I, I always have to be careful with basketball team names because – uh, I guess most of them, a lot of teams have moved to New Orleans, and so teams that I thought existed are actually now the New Orleans. <laughs> a lot of teams help. Pelicans, yeah, I think. How many moved there? I think most most of the teams have moved <laughs> to New Orleans. <laughs> uh, it seems to me that most of the teams. Anytime I mention a team, I'm told that they moved to New Orleans. Uh, so, and and I think wasn't there actually a New Orleans team or something that moved to? No, is that football? Never mind. All no, right. I'm uh, ask. Yeah. So the Minnesota Timberwolves have a promotion right now where if you buy season tickets for 20, I guess this actually can't possibly be current. This was probably from a couple months ago, so never mind. But the Minnesota Timberwolves had a season ticket renewal program for 2013-14 where you would get a 10% refund on your tickets if the team didn't qualify for the playoffs this season, uh, which is interesting. They uh, The quote from the Wolves president um, is we needed to put some skin in the game for our membership, um, which isn't a, an expression I know, um, sure but I like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I, I don't think they did make the playoffs, but perhaps uh, one of the interns can look that up. Um, but that's not exactly the same thing because that's not a refund on a loss for the ticket that you've bought. It's a refund on a loss for the tickets that you didn't buy for the tickets that you did buy. Uh, horrible. <laughs> horrible that I just said that. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, the there, there are scattered minor league teams that have done this, uh, but it's not cash back. Uh, the Frederick Keys, the Orioles high A team, currently guarantees a uh, victory every Tuesday night, and if they lose, it's good for a future Monday to Thursday regular season home game. Uh, the Buffalo Bisons, a AAA team, currently have a guaranteed win promotion in effect with fans receiving a free ticket on uh, Friday games, I believe. Um, And the um, River City Rascals, uh, which is an independent league team, Mm -hmm. they had a promotion which was like a, it was was a win insurance uh, program. And it's hard to decode exactly what this is. But basically, you could buy win insurance if you... Uh, midway through the game and then later in the game for a higher price 
you can essentially buy a discounted ticket or something like that. So I think it before the eighth inning for two dollars you can buy win insurance and then I think that you get your money back. Uh, and then after the eighth that goes up to five dollars. So tickets I think for those games cost six. So it's a portion of your cost you can pay extra and you get some sort of win insurance. Uh, which is an uh, sort of a basically kind of like what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, although more confusing, yes. I would say a lot more, more confusing. Um, all right, Nolan Ryan, uh, the Texas Rangers pitcher, uh-huh. once had a guaranteed no hitter uh, <laughs> game, and I actually remembered this from then as as him actually having thrown a no hitter in his start, but he actually had by coincidence thrown a no hitter the previous start, and so the Mariners actually did a guaranteed no hitter night uh, when he was coming to town. And uh, he made it into the third inning. His opponent, who also could have thrown a no-hitter to, to, to guarantee this no-hitter, um, allowed a hit in the second. But you can imagine that this was probably pretty exciting for about three innings mm-hmm. for Mariners fans. And uh, that was, if they didn't throw a no-hitter, which they didn't, fans got a general admission seat at a specific game later in the year against the Angels which um, reminds me that the Angels used to be terrible and that you could just give away tickets when they came to town. Um, Also, if you Google Nolan Ryan guaranteed no-hitter, once you get to Nolan Ryan gear, Google will recommend Nolan Ryan guaranteed tender meats. So there you go about that. Um, And the most relevant thing is that Justin, uh, reader Justin, points out that the Twins did a guarantee, the Minnesota Twins, the Major League Baseball Minnesota Twins did a guaranteed win uh, promotion in 1999. This was every Tuesday, and if they uh, if they lost, then you got a free seat to a future home game any day except Fridays and Sundays. Um, and it seems like maybe the uh, it's hard to say, but uh, there was a when when the AP wrote about this at the time, they quoted Ron Coomer, sort of snipping at it. Ron Coomer was like one of the team leaders, and he was kind of snipping at the plan. He he said, "Which guy in the front office is playing tomorrow night?" <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, thanks a lot for betting mm-hmm. on our ability. Um, and so that went for a year. Um, I they replaced it the next year with uh, like some sort of state lottery promotion and had nothing to do with winning or losing. Uh, so they only did it one year. I saw assorted references to it. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure how they did in those Tuesday games. I, I meant to go back and look, but anyway, uh, so there's some precedent for the free ticket and the free ticket idea is, was the overwhelming sentiment among emailers who responded to this. Lots of people recommended that you get credit, some sort of credit either to the team store or, to another game instead of cash. Um, Nick was the first to suggest it. Um, he writes, "This would mean that money would still come back to the team, though people spending on through people con- spending on concessions and perhaps upgrading to higher price seats, and the logistical problem would be lessened since you could just hand out coupons as fans left the stadium. Also, maybe fans would be less inclined to root against their own team if they knew the reward for a loss was to come back again. Who wants to come and watch a losing team twice? Uh, others." Uh, Saxon recommended a consolation prize, something small and cheap, like a taco. Um, and Sean suggested, well, no, okay. Uh, all right, so, the, and a bunch of other people suggest the tickets. So the problem with the ticket 
which isn't necessarily a problem, but you know, might be a problem, is A, if you're, uh, if you're a team that sells a lot of tickets, like the Red Sox and the Cubs and the Giants, which I know Mark is a fan of the Giants, um, you don't really get your, your free ticket because the games are all sold mm-hmm. out and a team that sells out its games isn't going to give you a ticket. Um, and so that's probably the, the biggest problem. The other, the other thing is that um, it would, I don't think you could raise, I think one of the things that's nice about Mark's original idea uh, is that you could, it seems to me that you could theoretically double the price or come close to doubling the price of the tickets without losing your customers because they would, they would know that, you know, they're going to, they're going to get their cash back half the time. Like that, it's pretty simple math and they might not, they, they might understand the, the doubling of the price. But if you're just giving them a free ticket, um, they're not, they're not going to get their cash back. So you can't really double the price. You're ba- that would just basically be a way of scamming them into buying two tickets if you raise the prices at all. And if you raise the prices none, uh, then it would just be a, a loss for the team. Um, so it's it's not quite the full measure that that I would like to, to take on this. However, uh, it's relevant, and I think it particularly for a team that isn't selling out, um, you know, all these teams want to have fans in the seat. I mean, it, it's really good to get fans in the seat because um, empty stadiums sell worse than stadiums that are kind of half full or greater, mm-hmm. as as the A's have shown they believe in by uh, tarping off the top and making the, the stadium look more crowded than it is. I mean, you want to create some impression of scarcity. And so it is good to have more fans rather than less fans. And if you're not using them, why waste the real estate? If you're not using your seats, you might as well figure out a way to give them away uh, without outright giving them away and basically crippling your your sales market. So um, it's a good idea. It's, a, it's, it's not a perfect idea. It's not my favorite idea. Uh, but I think there's some benefit to it. I wonder where the, uh, the break-even point is attendance-wise for where it would be beneficial for you to start giving a, giving away a lot of tickets without crippling your, your I don't know, primary ticket market. Yeah, well, yeah. The other thing is that this, I mean, if you're giving away a general admission seat, than to a Monday to Thursday game, it's not that much of a prize. I mean, I, I, I don't. I, maybe I, this is like I'm going to come off as as this spoiled rich <laughs> snob or something. But if you gave me a, a upper deck seat for a Tuesday night game, um, there's a pretty good chance I wouldn't go uh, because I have things to do on Tuesday nights, and upper deck seats are not that good and uh you know that depends on the game there are games i would go and if i had people to go with i I might go and if i uh were free i might go but like when i was growing up i was a giants fan and uh we had to drive 75 minutes to get to the giants games and and you know it was a special occasion to go to a giants game and so if you told me oh you can come back in a week well that wouldn't really help me because i didn't have the ability to go back in a week to to go to these games anyway so uh the other thing is that these tickets, if if you are giving these general admission seats, I mean, it's not going to mean much to the guy who spent $75 on good seats. It might mean something to the guy who spent $18 on a general admission seat because he, he basically gets double. But uh, I don't know how much of an incentive it would be for the other guys. Uh, similarly for the consolation prize, like a taco, I think, uh, or whatever your consolation prize is, I think that, uh, what we're trying to do here is to, to actually change the, the, 
the, the dynamic where people would not be sad that their team lost or, or terribly sad that their team lost. And a consolation prize would make them slightly less sad. However, I think it would still feel like a wasted day at the park if you went and your team lost 12 to nothing and your, your prize was a taco or a tchotchke of any sort. Some people really um, like tacos. They do. I just I think that it needs to be bigger. I think the the point it needs to be a great demonstration that the, the team is ashamed of their loss. They are they feel horrible that they gave you a terrible experience. They recognize that it's not fun to watch a team lose, especially a team lose badly, uh, to play badly. And so you're you're the team is falling on the sword. It it's not it's not consolation so much as it is a a grand gesture of uh, of taking the blame of uh, you know of making things right and so that's why I think that uh, the, the cheaper you go the less you you keep this um, you keep this this message uh, at the forefront and I think a general admission seat from Monday to Thursday is closer than obviously than a taco <clears throat> but uh, it doesn't it doesn't quite keep the keep this message strong I think. What, if so, the, what if the losing players give their meal money to the fans <laughs> to, to, to buy like. tacos, yeah, but it'll be uh-huh. their money, so they won't uh-huh. be able to eat. It that would day. be uh, if a player somehow like it would be kind mm-hmm. of interesting if a you know well this is a totally different idea, but if a player had like guaranteed win day and if uh, he lost, then one person in the stands got his salary. <laughs> uh, that might that might sway me, yeah. but I would say that probably the union would have an issue. <laughs> With making the players give up their salary if they lost, yes. just I, just I just speculating. I don't. I we haven't done the research <laughs> on that. I haven't interviewed seven or eight sources, but I'm guessing that the union would be opposed to that. Uh, Sean, who lives in Europe, suggests making it a choice that you could buy either the guaranteed win ticket or not, and I, I like that for a reason I'll get to. But he also notes that in Europe, where he lives. He, he can actually accomplish this easily on his own by simply going and betting against his team uh, before the game. And that way he either gets a win or he gets his money back. And in a way, I'm imagining myself going through this exercise if I lived in Europe. And I don't think I would ever do it. Um, I, would, I don't think I could ever bet against the team that I was rooting for. And so maybe that goes to the fundamental problem of what this is, which is that maybe maybe it would actually backfire and people would not like this implicit bet that they're making against their own team if they if they figured it out. My guess is that people wouldn't figure it out, that people are not that uh, smart. And they would just be like, woohoo, uh, we got a free we got a free ticket. But it's possible that uh, that they would. Uh, Frank suggests it should be the opposite and you should reward teams reward fans that uh, that stay until the end of a victory, which is the exact opposite of what we're talking about, Frank. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about it another day, but stay on topic. Um, uh, let's see. And then so then Tom, uh, Tom, I think comes up with a solution that I like the most. Um, which is that you just do it for season ticket holders. And I actually think this solves just about every problem that I had with it, although it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. It might still be an awful idea. But if you just do it for season ticket holders, um, A, you're you're really making it for people who have a stake in the team and who are going to be most disappointed for a loss. If you're talking about a guy who who goes to one game, well, it's quite possible that he's just going to uh, a game because he wants to go to one or two baseball games a year. He's not a huge fan. Uh, or 
you know, he's just looking for something to do that day. A season ticket holder, though, is really committed, emotionally committed to the success of the team. And uh, so so apologizing to him when they lose seems, you know, to kind of be what this is about. Um, if you were only talking about season ticket holders getting this perk, I don't think that you would have a critical mass of fans cheering against the team or even cheer, you know, somewhat cheering against the team in the event of a loss because they would only be a portion of the fans. They wouldn't be all the fans, and I think they would be uh, peer pressured into uh, or I guess peer pressured out of any, ins- uh, any instinct to cheer against your fans. I mean, I can imagine if a season ticket holder looked too happy that his team was losing, uh, he would get stomped on uh, by a non-season ticket holding fan who's going to be rightfully betrayed by this. Um, there's, uh, uh, I also think that a season ticket fan uh, would be uh, less likely to see uh, to, to think short term in that sense and to, to consider the financial incentive that he has to root against his team because he's a season ticket holder. He's in it for the long haul. He wants to, to get his playoff tickets at the end of the year, uh, etc. So I think that a season ticket holder fan uh, would quite easily continue to cheer wholeheartedly and full-throatedly uh, despite the financial gain that he might have in a loss. And a season ticket holder, of course, could be very easily refunded. You wouldn't have any of the refund logistics mm-hmm. that you would normally have um, with refunding large numbers of tickets because season ticket holders have given you all their personal information. Um, and also, I think that it would be a, a, an, a, it could arguably be an incentive for season ticket holders, although the fact that season ticket holders would have to put up a lot more money up front might be a disincentive. So I don't know if it would be an incentive or a disincentive, but my guess is that it could be an incentive. So I think this is the plan that I would go forward with. Season ticket holders get refunds for all losses uh, and pay uh, a lot more up front. Um, And so resolved, it's a good plan, Um, (laughs) except that I do want to just note that Matthew Trueblood uh, raises the extremely... um, rational and eloquent uh, rebuttal of the idea as a quote god awful horrible <laughs> stupid idea and uh, it was a long impassioned long, email it was long and impassioned and i don't want to read the whole thing but i do want to read some of it uh i love you guys i bear no ill will toward the emailer who suggested it but it sucks baseball is a game played at the margins one where the best teams of each decade win two-thirds of their games and the worst win a third if you go to baseball games just to see your team win you probably should stop going to baseball games or only go when your team is very good and playing whomever the astros of the moment are I don't get this at all. You're not purchasing win shares. You're buying an experience. You're taking in the game, and a large portion of the beauty of the game is the fact that your team might win or might lose. Baseball is even more beautiful than any other American sport because uncertainty is greater. Opting out of the investment of emotion and even of intellect is a miserable idea that would set baseball fan culture back immeasurably. If you have no reason to fear a loss, you lose the ability to fully enjoy a win. Um, And I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I also, though, think that baseball... Uh, requires so much time, and I wrote about this not that long ago, baseball requires so much time uh, in our lives. I mean, basically, you're giving up like 10 to 20 years of your life in in baseball. And I think the only way that we manage to do that is by finding personal... uh, personal gain. We we find ways that we profit personally from baseball, uh, and I, you know it's it takes away a little bit of the romance to acknowledge this, um, but um, 
you know, I, I think that it's true. I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a fact for a lot of us. It might not be a fact for Matthew. It might not be a fact for a lot of people who truly do go to the game and love the game because of the smell of the grass uh, and the experience of being in the sun. Um, but I'm a, I'm a cold-hearted modern person with, uh, you know, with limited time and a pretty selfish uh, greed motivating me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and subconsciously, I think that, um, that I, I like baseball more when I feel like uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sport that has, um, you know, that, that I have stakes in, that I actually have tangible stakes in it. So uh, it, it is unromantic, as Matthew notes. It would probably uh, lessen the fun for some people. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I would like my money back. Sure. Me too. Okay. Well, that was, all right, so that's that was it. Thorough. Good summary of, of all the responses, and we appreciate all of the responses. That discussion was, was fun. It was fun. Yeah. So and now it's the weekend then. Yes, it is. Uh, so I guess we'll be back Tuesday then with 2.11, which causes me pain to say, but uh, we will be back then. Have a nice long weekend.